The talk you are about to hear is by Zen teacher Sensei Amala Wrightson. Master Hakuin's chant and praise is our Zen. From the very beginning all beings are Buddha. Like water and ice, without water no ice, outside us no Buddhas. How near the truth, yet how far we seek. Like one in water crying, I thirst. Like a child of rich birth wandering poor on this earth, we endlessly circle the six worlds. The cause of our sorrow is ego delusion. From dark past to dark past, we wandered in darkness. How can we be free from birth and death? Master Hakuin's chant in praise of Zazen. From the very beginning, all beings are Buddha. Like water and ice, without water no ice, outside us no Buddhas. How near the truth, yet how far we seek. Like one in water, crying, I thirst. Like a child of rich birth, wandering poor on this earth, we endlessly circle the six worlds. The cause of our sorrow is ego delusion. From dark past to dark past, we wander in darkness. How can we be free from birth and death? The gateway to freedom is Zazen Samadhi. Beyond exaltation, beyond all our praises, the pure Mahayana. Upholding the precepts, repentance and giving, the countless good deeds and the way of right living all come from Zazen. Thus one true samadhi extinguishes evils. It purifies karma, dissolving obstructions. Then where are the dark paths to lead us astray? The pure lotus land is not far away. Hearing this truth, heart humble and grateful, to praise and embrace it, to practice its wisdom, brings unending blessings, brings mountains of merit. And when we turn inward and prove our true nature, that true self is no self, our own self is no self, we go beyond ego and pass clever words. Then the gate to the oneness of cause and effect is thrown open. Not two and not three, straight ahead runs the way. Our form now being no form and going and returning we never leave home. Our thought now being no thought, our dancing and songs are the voice of the Dharma. How vast is the heaven of boundless samadhi. How bright and transparent the moonlight of wisdom. What is there outside us? What is there we lack? Nirvana is openly shown to our eyes. This earth where we stand is the pure lotus land. And this very body, the body of Buddha. Today is day one of our five-day winter-spring online session. It's the 22nd of August, 2020. And for this session, 
we're going to be reading from Shattering the Great Doubt, the Chan Practice of Hua Do. This is by Chan Master Sheng Yin. Just a little bit about Master Sheng Yin. Um, he, his his dates are 1930 to 2009. Um, he was a very widely respected uh, Taiwanese Chan master. Um, we, we met him when we went to Taiwan in 2001 at this vast uh, complex, temples and university complex that his organization was building outside of Taipei. Um, he taught extensively in the West, especially in the last 20 years of his life, and he, he was a very prolific author. Um, among the titles that he wrote were Song of Mind, uh, The Method of No Method, and uh, he also published a, an autobiography, Footprints in the Snow, and many, many other books. Um, very fine uh, books, which are both practical, down-to-earth, and also erudite. He had great learning. He trained both in China and, very unusually for a Chinese monk, uh, spent time also in uh, Japan, went to university there, as well as going to Sushin's um, with a Roshi whose name I forget now, right now, but he was an, an heir of uh, Harada Roshi in our lineage, so he, he, we have this sort of uh, familial connection to him. And uh, he was, he actually came to the Rochester Zen Centre for at least one of its, its anniversaries, I think it was maybe the 10th anniversary. Also a little bit, bit about this word Huato, which appears in the title of this book, Shattering the Great Doubt, the Chan Practice of Huato. Um, just a little bit from the book itself. Um, Master Xing Yin writes, um, The Huato method is closely connected to the Gong An, the Chinese pronunciation of this term is koan, which means public case, as in a legal case or events in the judicial system in pre-modern China. Um, another way of understanding koan or gongan is as a precedent or an example, some, a recorded example of, of um, an exchange between a master and a student, usually. In Chan, a gongan is an episode or case in the life of a Chan master, an episode that often bears directly upon the enlightenment of that master. Later, many gongans became subjects for practice or investigation by Chan practitioners. In actual practice, the entire gongan is not always used because it can be complex and lengthy. Therefore, the early Chan masters would extract the essential point or the critical phrase or word from the gongan and use it as a tool for practice. Um, 
Guado may consist of a fragment, a question or a word derived from a Goran. Um, the most immediate example is, is the koan mu. Uh, mu is is the huado, and the koan is the whole story. The monk asked Joshu, does even a dog have the Buddha nature? And Joshu replied, mu. So that's the, the, the it's quite a short koan, but it still uh, can be boiled down to this one word, mu. Goes on to say that not all all gongans uh, come from from sorry not sorry not all huados come from a gongan from a koan. Example uh, would be the koan "Who am I," which um, came to us through and Ramana Maharshi was the question he asked himself, the great Indian sage. Literally. Huado means head or crux of the saying. A great modern Chinese master, Xu Yun, explains a huado as that which occurs just before a thought arises in your mind. To practice huado, the practitioner recites the sentence or fragment in a questioning manner, but without theorizing or analyzing it in order to find an answer. If you tried to reason out the meaning of a huado, this would be looking at the tail end of the thought, not the head. In theory, to investigate the huado means to examine that which occurs before thoughts arise. But what is that which lies before thoughts arise? What does the huado point to? Our original liberated mind. This is also called the Buddha mind. To conceptually understand this is not enough. Certainly it has no bearing on our vexations and life problems. You have to personally experience this. In practice, you must abandon concept, knowledge and previous experience until the huado becomes the only thing in your mind and you must eventually smash through the huado itself. Um, he makes the point here that we also heard in the last session from, from Martin Batchelor that um, we're not, we're not um, practicing a, uh, a koan or huado in order to find some kind of discrete answer, but, but rather to be transformed by the koan, for it to work on us. Elsewhere um, in the book it says, with a huado, the aim is not to come up with an answer. The practice is simple. Ask yourself your huado relentlessly in meditation as well in every other activity. Don't give up on it. Don't try to think your way to an answer. Resolve to live with the sensation of doubt that arises and it will pervade your whole existence with a sense of profound wonder, ultimately leading to the shattering of the sense of an independent, separate self. Resolve to live with the sensation of doubt that arises, 
This is going to be the what we'll be looking at, uh, especially in today's talk, but maybe in tomorrow's as well, is this doubt sensation. What it what it is, where it comes from, and how to work with it. So for this for this uh, session, we'll be um, looking at two passages. Uh, from the discourse record of Master Da Hui Zonggao. Um, the, the two passages, one is called The Great Matter of Birth and Death, and then if we have time we'll also uh, start on another passage called Buddha is Medicine for Sentient Beings. So a little bit, just a little bit about uh, Master Da Hui uh, before we look at his text. Um, his dates are 1089 to 1163. He was a contemporary of Master Hongzhou, who um, we've read from on a number of occasions from his book, Cultivating the Empty Field. Da Hui uh, lived roughly 100 years before uh, Master Dogen. Put him on a timeline. He worked with many different masters, um, but his main teacher was Yuan Wu. That's Yuan Wu Keqin, who was the compiler of the uh, Hikigon Roku, the Blue Cliff Record. He was a part of the Linji school, that's the Rinzai. Um, and Da Hui was particularly known for his, his promotion of. Um, using koans, koan investigation. Investigation of the huado, the nub of the koan, the essence or kernel. You could say even more than promotion, a championing of this message. Of this method, rather. Okay, we won't go into all the details of his, uh, his life, his very full life, um, but just one thing jumped out at me when I was uh, looking this up. Um, at one point, um, Da Wei was out of favor with the powers that be and he had to move out of the place where he was teaching and um, he went to somewhere called Meiyang which is in modern Guangdong and forced, forced into a kind of exile there um, but Meiyang, it says that Meiyang was struck by a plague that took the lives of half of his students but that Da Wei stayed on for several years and um, did his best to help the people after this um, enormous loss of life. He is said to have left 94 Dharma heirs, um, which gives some sense of the, the force of his teaching and perhaps also a sense of the vigour of the Chan school at that time. So now we just turn to uh, the first of our short passages that we're going to look at. And um, 
I think we can read the whole thing and then look look at it piece by piece along with Master Xing Yin's commentary on it. The great matter of birth and death. Whether drinking tea or eating your meal, always fix at the tip of your nostrils the two affairs of not knowing where you were born and where you will go after death. Amidst quiet places or noisy places, thought after thought, it should be as if you owed ten thousand or hundreds of thousands of dollars without any means of paying the debt. Feeling anxious and suffocated without exits behind, you cannot live and you cannot die. At this time, attachment to past good and evil can be severed. When you experience this, you can gain power. Have you not heard the words of the ancient worthy ones that all the Dharma spoken by the Buddha is for the purpose of delivering all kinds of minds? If there's no mind, of what use is all the Dharma? Most of the literati who study this path seek after quick results. Before the master even opens his mouth to speak, these people will have already formulated a conceptual understanding with their minds, thoughts and perceptions. When obstructions creep up on them, they lose all control. They become busy with their hands and feet without having anything to hold on to. They don't know what it, that it is actually their conceptual understanding which will take them to King Yama to receive the blows of the iron rod and swallow the blazing iron ball. The person who seeks after quick results is none other than you. And so it is said that those who wish to acquire it will lose it. Those who try to be meticulous will end up being more negligent. The Tathagata considers such people pitiable. In recent times, many literati desire to study this path, yet their hearts are not pure. Their sickness comes from the fact that poison has entered their hearts. When poison enters the heart, you'll be caught up with whatever you encounter. Being caught up with whatever you encounter, your attachment to the view of the self will grow. As the view of the self increases, all you see and hear will be the shortcomings of other people and you will not be able to take the backward step and briefly examine yourself. Day by day, after leaving my bed in the morning, what benefit have I brought to myself or others? One who is able to self-examine like this is called a wise person. Um, just, uh, just pause here. This question, day by day, after leaving my bed in the morning, what benefit have I brought to myself or others? It's very similar to... Um, one of the um, questions one asks oneself in the Lojong practice. What, in what way have I um, practiced bodhicitta today, looking back over, over, over one's day and asking oneself? He continues, Master Zhao Zhou once said, as for this old monk, Besides the two meal times of the day, when he uses his mind in a complex manner, there are no other occasions where it requires his mind to be complicated. You may wonder where this old fellow is at. 
if you can recognize his original face, then you can say such things like, walking is charm, sitting is charm, whether talking, silent, active or still, everything is at peace. If you are unable to be like this, then you better at all times take the backward step and carefully examine that which is under your own feet. It is really possible to really know is it really possible to really know another person's strengths or weaknesses or judge whether he or she is an ordinary person or a saint, whether things are truly existent or empty? Pursuing this self-investigation from one situation to the next until there's nowhere you can drive this questioning, like a mouse getting stuck on the horn of a bull. Suddenly you must sever this cunning mind this is a state where all things will solidify, a place where you can return home and finally firmly sit in peace. Okay, so that's the that's our passage to examine, and um, it's a little bit of a preface from Master Sheng Yin before he gets into commenting on it. He says. Sometimes when we are gazing at the moon, clouds will drift by, and for a while we have only a hazy view of the moon. But whether we see it clearly or hazily, we know the moon is still there. Practice is something like this. Our mind at times becomes hazy, but if we are attentive, we still have a glimpse of the method. We, still, we, we just need to keep it in view when the mind gets cloudy. Um, this is an important reminder to us to 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 remember that whatever clouds our mind, um, whatever comes between us and and our, our practice, will pass. And we we the moon, even when it's covered over with clouds, we know it's still there. And that's the, the key thing with practice, is to persist even when it feels pretty rotten. It takes, it takes courage to do this, to keep going even when things are going badly. Maya Angelou said, Courage is the most important of all the virtues because without courage you can't practice any other virtue consistently. You can practice any virtue erratically, but nothing consistently without courage. Courage to keep going, to persist. And sometimes that means to grope. Another helpful way to work with our uh, distractions is to remember that every time you notice your mind is distracted, that's your Buddha nature functioning.
Master Xingyun continues. Master Da Gui Zonggao told us to keep our Hua Do intact in the four circumstances of walking, standing, sitting and reclining. In other words, in all our positions, all the positions we take up. Do not allow yourself to be separated from your guado, even when receiving people and dealing with affairs. This is a, a good reminder for us doing sashin at home, because we may very well have to receive people and deal with affairs. Things may come up. So to... touch down on our, our question, our koa, when, do, when having to engage, talk to people or take care of something. Take your huato even to the bathroom. When, when we, we think about it, um, going to the bathroom is is an essential thing. Eating and excreting. We um, can't do without these. I think it was Nakagawa Roshi, Nakagawa Soen, um, who, who once said, shitting is more important and more essential than sitting. Even if you are diligent, there may be times when wandering thoughts will cause you to lose the huado, thus giving rise to more wandering thoughts. As you become aware of this, do not punish yourself, just return to the huado. The real danger is not being aware of wandering thoughts until it is too late. Do not let them take over to the extent that there is nothing in your mind but wandering thoughts. Or we could just say we, we, we do our best to be vigilant so that we can catch whatever arises in the mind as soon as possible. But without comment and without value judgment. Just shifting awareness back to the koan if we're working on a koan. Or if we're doing shikantaza just to um, regard whatever arises from spaciousness of of our minds without identifying with it, without um, rejecting or clinging to. Although you recognize that wandering of thoughts will occur, just lock your mind inside the wado and throw away the key. This, this image is a, is a powerful one. To, to enter into the koan rather than holding on to the koan. To throwing yourself into its arms. Continues, your sole concern should be the Huado.
another way of thinking of this is whatever arises just right there examine the Wadao right there question right there bring your mind of wonder to whatever is occurring Now he takes up um, Master Dawei's discourse, first part of it. Whether drinking tea or eating your meal, always fix at the tip of your nostrils the two affairs of not knowing where you were born and where you will go after death. Amidst quiet places or noisy places, thought after thought, it should be as if you owed 10,000 or hundreds of thousands of dollars without any means of paying the debt. Feeling anxious and suffocated without exits behind, you cannot live and you cannot die. At this time, attachment to past good and evil can be severed. When you experience this, you can gain power. Mr. Shingen comments, A practitioner's sole concern should be the great matter of birth and death. What is the purpose of coming into being? How does one deal with death? Why are we here? Is another one. Or what's the meaning of life? People crave life and try to avoid death. Others live out their life without thinking much about what it means. However, for a Chan practitioner, it is fundamental to reflect seriously on birth and death. We call this giving rise to the doubt sensation. So I want to spend some time on this and uh, draw on another commentary here because um, there can be um, quite a bit of misunderstanding about this and we think that it's something we have to somehow generate when Really, it's, it's much more a matter of marshalling the doubts that we already have and um, pouring in, them into the practice. Uncovering, you could say, uncovering our doubt sensations and uncovering our basic uh, existential questions and giving them focus. I'd like to turn to um, some passages in a um, commentary by uh, Jeff Shaw called Great Doubt, Getting Stuck and Breaking Through, the Real Koan. Now, Jeff Shaw is a Rinzai teacher, um, a Dharma heir of uh, Keido Fukushima. Um, Jeff Shaw was born in 1953. Um, his teacher was abbot of Tofukuji in Kyoto, big uh, Rinzai monastery. And his main teacher was Zenkei Shibayama Roshi. Some of you may have heard of him because he's written a commentary to, in English to the um, uh, Mumonkan. 
and this Jeff Shaw is, is besides being a Zen teacher, is also a professor at Hanazono University, which is the Rinzai-affiliated university in Japan, and uh, also a uh, husband, husband and father. So he's a lay successor of Keido Fukushima. So in this in this um, article, this long article, he um, starts off by making some very helpful comments about this, this idea uh, of doubt in, uh, in Zen and Chan. Doubt, like other religions, Buddhism encourages faith, trust. Doubt is usually considered a defilement or poison, along with greed, hatred, ignorance, and pride. Indeed, such doubt is to be avoided. Doubt is mere skepticism, a lack of trust, or a hesitant attitude that keeps you from entering the way. That is nothing like the doubt spoken of in Zen Buddhism. There is a good reason that it is called great doubt. In an introductory section to his text, Boshan, and he's, the, he's the writer of the text that Jeff Shaw is examining, briefly describes the barrier, also called the great matter, of life and death. The doubt, literally doubt sensation that arises from it, and how this fundamental religious question differs from ordinary doubt and scepticism, and its final congealing into the doubt block, or great doubt. Sometimes we talk about the doubt mass. And this is also illuminating, I think, to realize that we're talking about um, not just an idea that we have, but a kind of physical sensation uh, a feeling that pervades us. And this is Baoshan. In Zen practice, the essential point is to arouse doubt. What is this doubt? For example, when you are born, where do you come from? You cannot help but remain in doubt about this. When you die, where do you go? Again, you cannot help but remain in doubt. Since you cannot pierce this barrier of life and death, suddenly the doubt will coalesce right before your eyes. Try to put it down, you cannot. Try to push it away, you cannot. Eventually, this doubt block will be broken through and you'll realize what a worthless notion is life and death. Ha! A little bit later, Shaw writes, Far from a lack of trust or faith, Great doubt can only arise from great trust. Great trust grounds and support us, supports us. Great doubt keeps us on the path, leads us all the way through. Great trust is the conviction, based on experience, that there is a way. Great doubt provides the fuel to go all the way. Fully trust, you'll fully doubt. Fully doubt, you'll fully awaken. Zen saying. This doubt is an intense wonder, a healthy curiosity that opens us. It is not fear, a lack of trust, which is a denial of our doubt that, that, that binds and, and blinds us. Let's read that sentence again. Is it not fear, 
a lack of trust, which is a denial of our doubt, that blinds and binds us. I think here of Darkway's mentioning earlier, uh, feeling anxious and suffocated. It's, it's not that we need to somehow manufacture this kind of feeling, but just examine ourselves. And when, when we're pressed, when we're in, under, in a stressful situation um, of some kind, and our anxiety comes up, or when we're in a difficult relationship and we feel suffocated, that's pointing to um, existential angst. It often manifests in our reactions to people and things that we've experienced aversion towards, but um, it's it's always more than just they they are just the triggers of the feeling, not the not the cause. Conversely, sometimes these feelings come up in relation to what we cling to, in the sense of fear of of losing losing people we love, losing our security. And so many people now in this time of pandemic, um, their, their lives being turned upside down, losing their jobs, losing their, losing their income. Then Shaw poses the question, but why focus on doubt? Isn't great trust alone enough? Yes, it is. All we have to do is trust completely. Then whatever we encounter, there can be no doubt, no hesitation. And really this is the spirit that we find in, in Shikantaza, just to bring great trust to the process. It's like with the emphasis shifts in Shikantaza from the great doubt of working on a koan to the great trust of just sitting with whatever arises. two sides of one coin. But the, 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 each contains the other. Then he says, now who here has this kind of trust? Anyone? Many of us find that that the, the kind of edge that um, great doubt gives us um, helps us to to do the work in our meditation. But but all of us. who feel an affinity towards the, this questioning mode, um, it's also driven by a, a trust. There's this, there's this teaching in, in Zen that practice takes, takes three things. Great trust or faith, great doubt or perplexity, and great determination, sometimes translated great courage. In other words, the persistence to keep going as we hold in ourselves 
these two sides, great doubt and great trust or faith. Jeff Shaw goes on to say something really um, illuminating, talking about this, this, these, these two. Great trust is indeed enough. Yet, as Boshan said, and, and we just confirmed, doubt cannot be avoided. For your very self is split within and without. To put it bluntly, you don't simply have the split, you are the split. Self, self comes into being split with faith and with doubt. See yourself right here. The basis of Buddhism is discovered under your feet. It's not that we ha that we have this split between self and other, but that we we live out of it. We essentially are it. Self gives rise to other. And that's why to practice a, a koan, huado, um, isn't a matter of finding an answer because to want to find the answer comes out of the sense of self and other that we, that we live. But rather to, to work on a koan is to um, let it deconstruct that, that self and, and other that we are to take us beyond them. Shaw continues, unlike ordinary doubt which can cause wavering and a loss of focus, great doubt solidifies and gathers focus. The Chinese Zen layman Suan said, nowadays those who devote themselves to Zen practice are few. Once a koan is taken up, most people find their minds trapped by the twin demons of torpor and scattering. They don't realize that doubt vanquishes falling into torpor and mental scattering. If trust is firm, doubt will be firm. Once doubt is firm, torpor and scattering will naturally vanish. We, we can get to the point where um, the mind coalesces and then these, these two um, ways of, of characterizing what's going on in our practice won't be needed, they'll fall away. In a word, our actual doubt, this intense wonder and healthy curiosity becomes the way through. Rather than denying it, the Zen Buddhist approach is, so you have doubt, then doubt away. Take that doubt all the way. This is the consummate great trust at work. What else do you need? Going through your own great doubt is the way to really put it to rest once and for all. 
we can put so much energy into in avoiding this uncomfortable feeling, the, the discomfort of our doubts, distracting ourselves in different ways. Getting, getting caught up in activity. But what if we turn around? What if we, if we take the backward step, as, as uh, Darwin was saying, and actually dive into our great doubt? Our, our discomfort, our existential discomfort. We pour all our little doubts into the mix so they, they fuel our great doubt. Jeff continues a bit later. What is this great doubt? It's not something you have to create or think up or be given. Great doubt is the most natural thing in this world. Frankly, I wonder how you avoid it. Stop running from it and it's manifest. Open your eye and it can't be avoided. First, it may feel like a bowling ball in the pit of your stomach. Great doubt can arise any time, anywhere, if we let it. I just don't know what to do with myself, Dion Warwick and Dusty Springfield sang this Burt Bacharach, Hal Davis hit when I was growing up in the early 60s. You know how to do all kinds of things, don't you? Do you know what to do with yourself? I guess everybody in the Zendo has probably had this experience and perhaps more frequently than usual during during lockdown and in times of confinement not knowing what to do with yourself not knowing how to take yourself in hand it's a very can be a very disturbing uncomfortable feeling He continues, what derives some to work themselves to the bone, while others try and shirk as much as work as possible? What drives some to seek more and more material comfort, while others are driven to give up all they have? What drives some into relationships that they then destroy, while others refuse to have real relationships at all? Could any of this be a reaction to that doubt, or perhaps a desperate escape from it? What is that boundless quandary that wells up in all of us on occasion, despite or in light of our apparent firm grasp of ourself and our situation? That, that feeling of being at a loss, of being lost. 
not knowing the way out. This is a Swedish poem I shared with people at the beginning of the lockdown. It said basically, we're all looking for a way out, but what we really need to do is look for the way in. He says about this boundless quandary, always just out of reach, yet never far away. What if we no longer push it away, but instead embrace it with an open heart and mind? There are many entrances to great doubt, as many entrances to great doubt as there are people. Simply inquire into what's under your own feet, at the heart of it all. What's there? Realizing this is what Zen meditation is all about. What drives us to love others, yet keeps us separate from them, keeps us from loving fully. Who is this one that comes to life precariously poised between life and death? Here is the great matter of life and death, the only real koan there is. More concretely, this doubt may first arise as a kind of intuition. It comes down to the fact that I don't know who I am, where I come from, what is real and so on. Or it may first arise as a deep-seated sensation, emotion or feeling. It can come down to feeling, I'm not at peace. I cannot come fully to rest with myself or with others. Something's not right. Or it may first arise as a problem of will or volition. I sense that no matter what, I can't seem to get free, as if I'm banging up against the wall of myself. For example, however much I try to do good, and what is right, I fail. However, it may first arise, it's essential to properly direct and focus the doubt. Otherwise, the doubt may be clear and solidified for a while, but then it fades again into the background. It remains inconclusive, indecisive. It will never be fully resolved that way. It needs to come to its own end, its own conclusion. This is the function of a real koan, and the value of working with authentic guides who have gone through it themselves. Well, we've got a little bit more to go, but we'll we'll um, we'll stop here um, as our time is up and recite the four vows. All beings without number, I vow to liberate endless blind passions. I vow to uproot dharma gates beyond measure. I vow to penetrate the great way of Buddha. I vow to attain all beings without number. I vow to liberate endless blind passions. I vow to uproot dharma gates beyond measure. I vow to penetrate the great way of Buddha. I vow to attain.
All beings without number, I vow to liberate endless blind passions. I vow to uproot dharma gates beyond measure. I vow to penetrate the great way of Buddha. I vow to attain. We'll have clean hands. The teaching you have received is offered freely. If you would like to make a donation to support the continuation of this podcast service or learn more about practice opportunities at the Auckland Zen Centre, please visit www.aucklandzen.org.nz.